Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have Zane Rubin on the podcast. She is a writer, director, producer, actress, showrunner, but she is really excellent at all those things. Matt had seen one of her shorts on Short of the Week, and he told me to watch it, and we were both like, oh man, she is very, very talented. She has like such a strong voice, a really strong visual style, uh, a really unique kind of viewpoint on things it's funny because like the subject matter feels familiar but her her take her, her point take of view, on it so good yeah it feels so her i guess <laughs> which is weird to say because i didn't know her before tonight yeah yeah I, I think meeting her and talking with her it just made all of those films make sense and you know just a really exciting filmmaker to get to talk to you know it's funny i think zane um is unlike most of the other filmmakers that we talk to lately because you know, typically we're talking to someone who's got something to promote or that we know in some way, or there's a couple, you know, a few lines of connection. And Zane, I literally just cold emailed because I thought her work was so awesome. And so it was a real treat to just kind of be a fan of a person and then get to talk to them on a podcast. We talk about all sorts of things, how she puts together such an awesome cast, how she developed her voice, and the fact that she got started at a very young age, which you know, when typically people say that, they're like, oh, I got started as a kid or whatever. You kind of roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all made videos in our backyard. Uh, but Zane was like into it for real in a meaningful way. Um, very young. Yeah. And at the age of 15, she pretty much was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker. Yeah. And also was making films. Right. Like right. Early, like her first films were like, they were on five D's, yes, but like... She made a feature at, at the age of 16. At 16, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, she's also the youngest guest we've ever had on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. By far, which is interesting because I think it kind of gives a perspective on... It's like she's part of that generation, I would say, that isn't like, wow, look at all these cameras we have we, to make movies with. It's like she's literally... making movies yeah. with the cameras that are around. Yeah. yeah. Like when she made her first movie, it was on the 5D, and she's like, oh, yeah, here's a 5D, you know? Uh, it was like like a free thing that you could borrow she from wasn't someone. like i'm part of the digital revolution right right there's no pride in it and yeah. it was just and i don't mean that in a negative way there is just like a, you're just shooting with the cameras yeah. that people shoot with yeah yeah so i don't know it's a fun perspective and it's kind of what makes her special as one of our guests um but before we get into talking to zane matt 
you had a topic you wanted to speak about. Yeah, so um, or I have been kind of writing and sending things out, and yeah, I think we're kind of both in the same zone of like, you know, you meet with some people and you pitch them a couple ideas, you follow up with a few me emails, that sort of stuff. And so now I'm in that position where I've sent out a few emails and I haven't heard back yet, but it's still within the window of like, oh, well, they probably just haven't even read it yet. Normally, this is a frustrating thing for writers, but like, you know, you spend so much time crafting things and getting everything perfect and you're so proud of it. And then you hit send. And especially with my agent and manager, I'm like 12 hours later, like, well, they didn't even like it. Um, when of course they haven't even yeah. had time to read it. Don't People you wish so much stuff to read? Don't you wish everyone would just say like, "Hey, got this." Gonna try to read it over the weekend. Yes. Or, "Hey, got this." My weekend reads are full for the next two months. I'll get back to you on the thirty-first. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm trying of to October. be better about even. I mean, even our listeners, they'll send us things, and I'm trying to be better about saying like, "Hey, thanks for sharing." I'm gonna. Check this out when I can. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at least acknowledging receipt is like actually a surprisingly easy and very nice and appreciated thing you can do. And also not a thing that people do that often. It's okay. Industry standard. Sometimes some people are like, okay, got it. And some people, they just will email back when they have their thoughts. But so, Oren, how long do you wait after you send some someone something to read, how long do you wait before you follow up to be like, hey, just wanted to circle back and hear your thoughts on this? Honestly, I mean, if it's a friend of mine or someone I know well, I'll probably like text them a follow up. And if they don't answer that, I probably will just stop. And then next time I see them at a party or an event, it'll be really awkward. It'll be weird. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and that's happened many times. Um, if it's someone I don't know, I will probably wait a week and then try to find something relevant that's mm-hmm. new information it's kind of like uh well so like when you apply to college you know if you get rejected and you appeal like the number one rule is you can't appeal with just the reasoning of why you should get mm-hmm. in you have to appeal with new information right hey i just got an ap score back or right right i just got this award or whatever so that's to me the same with pitching it's like there's the worst thing is to write back to them and be like hey so what'd you right. think um and the best thing is to be like Hey, uh, my the actress we have attached just booked this big thing. This might be sure. great timing. Whatever. Well, and I also having agents and managers, they're, that's their job is to do that stuff. So that's part of it. And people will always get back to you. I'm just impatient. In this business, it's always the exact same thing. It's like you're freaked out that nothing's happening and then everything happens at the same time. I'm ready. So... Yeah, well, cool. Well, I hope you get some emails back. I hope I get emails back. I'm like, I feel like sending people documents. I'm just like... (laughs) It's the worst. Nobody wants to look at documents. Yeah. Anyway, uh, before we get into our chat with Zane, I wanted to remind people of two things. Number one, iTunes reviews. Please, they're still very important. If you haven't left... If you didn't leave one for us during our big competition, please leave one for us because it helps people find the show. And on the topic of my neuroses, I've noticed that I think both of them... But the review and the ratings are both like right on the cusp of round numbers, much more satisfying numbers. So like just kind of like help out my OCD and like make it from 169 to 170 or whatever it is. I don't remember what they are exactly, but like 
They're yeah, both. That's a really nine. compelling reason to leave us. A review. Really, he's driving me nuts, you guys. Um, okay, I guess so. I'll leave us another review myself. <laughs> Matt, Matt got mad at me when I did that last time. Also, we have a Patreon, patreoncom pod. It's a way uh, that many of you are already doing, but can help uh, throw a few bucks at the podcast per month to help us pay for all our things. If you feel like you get anything out of this podcast, even one out of five episodes, even if you only catch it when you want to, but you got that tip that got you that pitch mm-hmm. that got you that job, then, you know, help us out. Patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. It's like buying one of us a coffee once a month. <clears throat> Not even both of us. But anyway, thanks again. And if you don't, that's fine too. And finally, before we talk to Zane, we just have one more message. Hey, so we're here with Zach Lipovsky, the creator of the new app Shotlister that helps you out with your shot lists on set. Can you tell us how you came up with it? Sure. I mean, I was on set making my first movie and couldn't really believe there was no normal way of making shot lists. Pretty much everyone does it their own way. And you basically print out an Excel spreadsheet and then scribble all over it as the plan goes to pieces. And uh, I was basically like doing the math in the margins of the piece of paper on the back of my AD, trying to figure out like how many shots we could do before the end of the day and just figured there has to be a better way of doing this. Yeah, but Zach, don't you think that you miss out on the bonding experience of losing your shot list and asking all of the crew members and then them kind of looking disappointed in you because you're their leader? Like, that's Uh, an important part of filmmaking for me. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I don't actually miss that, you know, but it's it's a good point. I'm always asking, I'm like, can someone please give me a copy of the shot list? And and I'll ask it three or four times throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I look in my pocket and there's like four copies of it in there. With Shotlister, you can just sync it to all of your crew so they all have it on their phones. Perfect. So you can borrow their phones when you lose yours. Yeah, if you lose your phone, you can still find it. Why does Shotlister work better than printed out paper? Well, it does a bunch of things. Not only is it the best way of building a Shotlist, you can build it digitally and customize it and everything, but it allows you to also build a shooting schedule where you can kind of basically kind of like a one-liner, but for shots where you can add time to each shot and how long you think it's going to take. And then you can change it with just a flick of the finger as everything completely goes to crap (laughs) once you're shooting. (laughs) And is that not something that your AD would usually take care of? Yeah, I mean, you can do it together. You you can create the shot list, and then you can make the AD the the author of it, and they can change it, you know, as you go. You can basically, sometimes it's the DP doing it. You know, everyone does it differently. And you yourself have directed a couple of movies for Disney. You had a movie at TIFF. Obviously, a filmmaker yourself, and you find that it helps you on set? I don't know how people shoot without it. Because it allows you basically to visualize your shoot day rather than just guessing how you're doing. You have a very concrete visual of how you're doing, and that allows you to kind of basically prioritize stuff you really need and put the stuff you don't at the end and as that changes you know move it around so that's really really helpful and do you think it's helpful even for a small kind of crew someone just starting out with their buddies actually most of our people are small crews because they don't have an ad and they're also the director and they're also doing craft services and so they need something they can rely on because they don't have a lot of crew to rely on (laughs) so zach you've uh, decided to give away 100 percent free 50 copies of Shotlister every month, even if you're listening to this show again in 2020. 2020 actually isn't that long from now. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> that's, that's not true. that. 25, 25. Go with that. Um, yeah, basically um, every month we're going to give away 50 copies. So if someone is listening to this and they email just shoot it pod at shotlister.com and says, you know, what platform they want. We have Mac OS, Android, and iOS. And whatever platform exists in the year 2525. 
and then we'll just send you a free copy. We get 50 away months. So if there's if there's ones left, send us an email. And that sounds crazy, but I think there's a really smart tactic to it. And basically, the way it boils down is as soon as you're into this app, as soon as you adopt it as part of your shooting process, you become an evangelist. <laughs> a lot of people who use it end up telling all their friends and they want their crew to use it and they want their AD to use it. So we're giving you a free copy so you can use it. And it's a fully free copy. It never expires or anything. And then, you know, if you love it, tell your friends. That is putting your money where your mouth is, Zach. I love it. So if you are listening to this podcast, even months from now, even years from now, email justshootitpod at shotlister.com for your free copy of Shotlister. And finally, here's Zane Rubin. So you're a filmmaker, writer, director, producer, actress, actor. What do you prefer? Actor? Sure, I'll take the male version. I'll take actor. I think actor's like neutral, right? Yeah, I mean actress, I'm like, do we need it? Yeah, I think we need it I as think a word? actress is like passe now. Yeah. I like actress because it's more descriptive than actor. Well, actress implies like like a whole you <laughs> yeah. know, like a whole thing. What the only argument I've heard that was kind of a, not a bad argument was that you say doctor and not doctress. Doctress? <laughs> doctress is very I funny, actually kind of like that. Love- <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I can't wait to see your latest short, Zane. Doctress. Doctress. Um, so tell sense. us. <laughs> I saw just a short of yours on Short of the Week, Vimeo Staff Pick, one of those. Short of the Week. Uh, short, super great. Um, Thanks. Killer cast. And it kind of like, I, I saw that piece and I was like, oh, you're interesting. And which one did you watch? Yeah, which one? Uh, good Dinner Party? Good Dinner Party. Yeah, thank you. Cool. If you're at a computer, by the way, go to zanerubin.com right now. Yeah, take a look at R-U-B-I-N. your stuff. R-U-B-I-N. The tricky thing with Good Dinner Party is that like, there's a million shorts out there that started at a dinner party and then things go crazy. Yeah. And uh, so the deck was stacked against you. Yes. And it's still good. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I... um. I've made a lot of uh, shorts that are two-person scenes. They've basically like all been two, maybe three-person scenes, just because like that was what I could do. Sure. That was what I could afford to do because it just costs no money and it's easy and it takes you know four hours and you're done. But then I was kind of like, oh well, I want to do something that's more challenging. Mm-hmm. So I think dinner table scenes are kind of like the car chases of comedy sure yeah yeah. so i thought that would be an interesting way to sort of challenge myself but unfortunately we only shot for one day and would remind me how many people are at the table eight 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 yeah including myself so it was like it was basically impossible to direct it it was like things were going on at the other side of the table that i had no idea yeah, were happening you're until just kinda like... post because the takes were like 15 minutes oh right you did the whole thing in one take for a couple angles yeah and then and how many cameras were you rolling two two yeah great. yeah and um yeah i mean we just didn't get the amount of coverage that i probably would have liked to get i would have liked another day or another you know sure. 10 days to shoot it's so hard to articulate how boring and laborious dinner table scenes can be you know, mm-hmm. like it's so much. You really kind of have to like take them in smaller bites. You know, you almost like make them into scenelets or something. So it's interesting that you did them as long, full takes. Did you find, um, how did the day evolve? Like, did it get better? Did it get worse? Or was there like an ebb and flow to how you picked your coverage in it? Um, well, we basically just did the coverage I had shot listed for the most part. 
But as the day went on and we ran out of time and we were being like, you know, pushed out of the location, I kind of just picked and chose what stuff of each actor I wanted mm-hmm. to get in their kind of close up angle. But I mean, everybody was everybody was really good. Let's. I want to just say kind of the logline real quick of the short, which I, I just watched it actually like an hour ago. So great. I know it really well, probably better than you. Probably. I've blocked it out. Um, but it's about a dinner party where one couple uh, suggests that they try to all have an orgy together. And everyone's into it except for Zane's character. Right. So I, I guess the, the premise isn't super original. But my the thing that I like to do, at least with shorts, not with the longer stuff I'm writing that nobody's seen yet, but with shorts, uh, is take a premise that's like maybe just kind of like, Bleh, like mm-hmm. not really, not really much, and then kind of put my own spin on it. There's this, like, there's a thing in female comedy where it's so sex based because for so long women weren't allowed to talk about sex, and mm-hmm. they that was just not a thing. And then all of a sudden they could, and then all of comedy just became about like, oh, I masturbate, and I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so does everybody else. That's like not that original. <laughs> Um, but good for you. And that's like a bit like, it's just like, oh, I love sex. Like, that's not a joke. It's not (laughs) anything. Right. (laughs) I'm happy you like like sex. Like I see like older writers are kind of from like an older generation make jokes about like, oh, they were just tweeting all day. Like that's like a punchline to something. But that's like, yeah, 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 totally. That is what people are doing right sending each other messages on snapchat is not like a joke sure it's just people living yeah um when i started making things i was i was not in any kind of relationship and felt very unseen um you know in a romantic and sexual way and then all female comedy was like nah sex and i was like not everybody's having it some of us are sad and alone and then i kind of wanted to make things that combat that so the last virgin in la was a short i made in that i made when i was a virgin and those were the kinds of conversations that people would have around me they'd be like oh you don't you should just go away while we talk about <laughs> sex because you haven't had it and that'll make you feel better being in a corner <laughs> sure and i'm like no it doesn't but thank you um for but taking cool. me out of the conversation so, so saying i want to back up a little bit because i think there's so many things done back here I, the what's fascinating the most to me about this is that like you look through all of the things that you have on your website and like there's such a clear voice already right and I think part of that is thanks to you being um, you know the writer director performer right like you're you star on everything that you do basically um, give or take not maybe. everything I made a Comedy Central web series that I did not star oh, and I that's acted right. in one of the episodes right, right. Um, and then like all the stuff that I'm currently developing basically all of it um, I would say you know most of it is not for me to star mm-hmm. because at a certain point it's just like you know I want to tell whatever story sometimes I don't fit into that sure you know? sure sure um, yeah there, well, was, there did seem to be like a common theme throughout your work which is all these really cool sexual people talking and then and then, and then, then we cut to you <laughs> me just being on the outside well i think it's just feeling yeah yeah just all your life like you're on the outside you know uh in just every every way nobody likes you you're offensive like i'm, I'm offensive i say the wrong things um, you know i'm not whatever enough um but it's also just i think uh a different female voice that 
for some reason doesn't seem to exist you know there's like there's male schlub but there's mm-hmm. not so much like female schlub um you're but I want to be you're the female Seth Rogen. But I want to be yeah. hot too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I want to be Seth Rogen GQ. You mentioned earlier uh, when you got started, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, so on your website it says you got started at 15. Um. Well, so in in my early teens, I uh, like from I guess like 12, 13, 14, 15. I I really wanted to be a comedian. I was really really into comedy. Where are you from? LA. Where'd you grow up? You grew up in LA. Yeah, and um, for a while I was writing stand-up. It was all about suicide. Found those journals later on. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know when... I don't keep a journal because I don't want anybody to read it, including myself, in the future. Sure, sure, like, yeah. 12 hours go by, and I'm like, oh, my like, oh. God, this is dark. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so that's why I don't keep a journal anymore. Um, sure. But, yeah, uh, so I wrote stand-up, and I took, like, improv classes and stuff, and I thought that that's probably what I was going to do and then I I did have some kind of fascination and you know acting but there was just like no roles for people was your family in the business at all um my dad has had a very tumultuous struggling long career in comedy as a comedian as in everything you know writer actor producer he had a comedy magazine he made videos what was his comedy magazine uh, he had a comedy magazine it called Mad. In no, uh, in uh, the early in the late eighties for a few years. Wow. Called Laugh Track, that he made. It was like the first magazine. It was like four people in comedy, and then it had mm-hmm. like joke articles, whatever. Um, How so, to yeah, tell a good joke? <laughs> he's done just about everything that you can do in comedy, but but so he had a little bit of guidance in terms of like oh like if you want to do open mics or things like that he can kind of guide you in the right direction or he, or it was no, more just an awareness that it, comedy is it a was, job it was more just an awareness that it existed and and by the way an awareness that it was a job and it wasn't like you know it wasn't the kind of thing where your parent is you know Judd Apatow and you're like oh mm-hmm. I can do that too mm-hmm. it was more like your parent is on the couch crying and you're like I might have to do that also <laughs> oh no wait but, but help do you guys are you raised with laughing at home all the time like making a lot of jokes and- yeah it was a, it was a, it was a very um, dysfunctional household I think all of us probably had a, our own cocktail of mental illnesses going on that we didn't quite realize until later. But yeah, it, we were we were the kind of family that like, you know, in the midst of something horrible, we're already laughing. There was no plus time. You know, they say tragedy plus time equals comedy. It was just tragedy equals comedy immediately. Just make you, the joke. Jack, yeah, sure. Joking about it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think was really strange about our situation. And so when did you make your first film? When I was 15, I decided to make a short. And um, yeah, I really had no idea what directing was at that point. And then I think every film I made after that, I kind of came up with a new definition of directing. Mm-hmm. Like I think it, it kept going back and forth between like, a director does nothing what do they like i think that that was the first thought i had it does feel weird sometimes you're, you're like, like what do they do what am i doing i do here? think the best yeah. directed stuff is when you feel like you're doing nothing sure yeah or the worst directed yeah sure yeah every once in a while i i feel like the crew is judging me for not doing anything do you guys ever get that 
I have a big fear of the crew, of the cast. I, I also think that directing is an incredibly lonely job. Sure. That's why we started the podcast. You, you for, sh- for real. You show up to set. Yeah. And you're like, uh, hey, uh, DP, what's going on? And they're like, I'm setting up. And you're like, no, no, yeah, yeah, do you, do you, cool, do you, yeah. cool. And then you're yeah. like, go to the actor, and you're like, cool, oh, cool. what's going on? You need any help? They're like, I'm getting my makeup. I can't really talk right now. And you're like, yeah, totally, totally. You have fun. And then you're just like standing there, and the AD's like, you cool? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. I'm you're cool. also like trying to desperately be everyone's friend because I think there's like some illusion in like the world of directing that like a really great director is just like so close with like the people on the set right boy i hate when people are like we're all best friends now i yeah. hate like I scorsese hate and leonardo about, dicaprio you like, know they're a, like like a panel afterwards yeah yeah exactly it's the worst are you best friends you're best friends with your all your cast and crew no <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean one i of wanted my, you to be like yeah <laughs> one of my dps is is one of my best friends yeah and um one of the actors I've used is one of my closest friends, but or a couple of the actors. But sure, sure. And, and we're saying, yeah. I'm not saying that, like, obviously everybody works with their friends all the time, but I'm saying, like, it's annoying when you're at, like, a panel and you hear people talking about how they've all bonded so much. Like, yeah. that's not an interesting story, and it makes me jealous also. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I hope to become friends with whoever i need friends right but, it, but on those like on those <laughs> like one contact day shoots. me via my website uh yeah on like a one day shoot yeah sure i mean I, there are people who you're like oh that guy was really pleasant i yeah, really yeah. liked him a lot but then sometimes there's also just like you're like you know i've had things where like i thought i was you know i put like somebody who i was kind of friends with in something and mm-hmm. then i was like well we're not gonna talk to that person yeah. anymore that was weird <laughs> uh don't yeah. like them because i guess it is a strange thing also of like you have to be their boss you know like if your friend isn't delivering you still have to kind of like you know push them to get where they need to go and that doesn't have to be adversarial but it, right it could be awkward i guess maybe i do think you if you I, I've become good friends with a producer of mine, the guy who, his name is Rob Rob Hatchmiller. Hatch yeah. Yeah, I just worked with him. Yo, he's great. Do you know um, Zach B, right? Bornstein? Bornstein. Bornstein. Yes, Zach yes. Bornstein. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him, but... Rob just produced a short for him. Yeah, Rob loves to take jobs that make him no money. He's a great guy. But uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's somebody who I became friends with but from making stuff together, not from um, mm-hmm. I had known him before. And I think if you make something with someone and then you become friends and then you use them again, great. That's a different. How did you find him? I'm actually kind of curious because so Rob Hatchmiller, he's a producer. He produces all sorts of things, including independent, like very low budget short films. Yeah. The one we, uh, that I worked on with Zach is like had like an awesome cast. Avery Munson was in it, and yeah, um, I love Avery. Uh, Kate Micucci too. Kate right? Micucci, yeah. Um, and it's like, I feel like every, every filmmaker's dream is to find a producer that wants to produce and not direct, you know? Yeah. He's great. He also directs documentaries though, weirdly with his, his Mm. wife, Paloma. They just directed a documentary that was at Tribeca. That's really wonderful. Oh, cool. How did you meet him? How did you, how do you find a producer for a short film? Weirdly, I know, I know a lot of like producers who want to make things, but they don't have i mean they don't have like the money they're just like you get the money i'll do the work and i'll be there yeah kind of a thing um 
But Rob actually saw my Comedy Central web series and and was very new to LA from New York. And uh, I think I he was just kind of kind of contacting people, like trying to meet people. He, he hustles, you know. Mm-hmm. And we just got coffee and uh, he was like, like... He just emailed you and was like, hey, I saw your series. Can we grab coffee? Yeah. That's how I have most of my friends, which makes me sound bad, I will say. It sounds a little narcissistic, well, but that's no, how I meet people. Cool. So let's back up then. How did you get your Comedy Central series? Really boring. Just just a meeting. Just a meeting. Yeah. yeah, nothing. How'd you get the meeting? My manager. How'd you get the manager? Uh, I made seven short films, and, and she finally saw one of them. Did um, did any of them go anywhere fancy or notable? No, I have actually been rejected from every single film festival I've ever applied to. Hundred percent across the board. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because you only applied to like Sundance. Oh no. Oh. Oh, I can't no. imagine your shorts not getting into any festival because they're really I've good. I've gotten in, thank you. I've gotten rejected from, I, I've gotten into one film festival, I will say. I did not apply, but I did get into one film festival. But technically, I have gotten rejected from every single one I've ever applied to. And What's the how, festival how you many? got into? Montclair. Wait, where, do I know New Montclair? Jersey. Oh, gotcha. It's like yeah. very middle of the road And they saw level it online festival. or something? No, Rob actually oh, gotcha. had his documentary was playing there and, and he, he forced like, them to take it. <laughs> it He's like, listen. It was nepotism. He was like, good. dude, she's going to kill herself. She's on the brink here and somebody needs to take this. If we don't go to Montclair. <laughs> Wait, so your manager just saw it online? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a friend of mine shared it on Twitter, and her um... was your friend Jeanette McCurdy. No, although she's actually the one I mentioned, who's um, one of the actors I've worked with, who's a very close friend of mine. Oh, because she's famous, right? She's very famous. She's very, very famous. Um, and the other you guys should have her on the podcast. She's a director now. Oh, oh really? Interesting. Yeah, that'd do be you great. Know she, do you know I Carly? Yeah, yeah. What, she got one short of the week. Oh, cool. Uh, she has a short on there. Yeah. I would argue that short of the week is like a prestigious online festival. I will, I will agree. Yeah, short of the week agree. has ha- put two of my things up, and No Budge put one of my things up, and those are, you know, like those are the online sure. film festivals. But you also get way more eyeballs on your stuff from those than from like Newport Beach Film Festival, yeah, or even Palm Springs or something. Yeah, that's true. But there's no networking aspect. Yeah, that's true. And that's a that's a problem. You know, like if if like let's say I even me going to Montclair, which was fine, you know, like everybody who goes to festivals is involved in other festivals mm-hmm. and then that helps you get into more festivals sure. and like it just kind of was like a domino effect. But if you don't get into any you don't have any of those connections. And like, you know, I would like to make a movie that gets into Sundance one day and I can't even get into Boca Raton Jewish Film Festival. Sure. Yes, they've rejected me, I swear Well, it's probably because your stuff is fairly rated so R. SoCal Student Film Festival. Name a film festival I promise they've rejected me. I mean, like, even like Maryland has rejected me three Cinequest. times. They've rejected me twice. I mean... I'm sure, like, my Film Freeway account is just, like, the most depressing thing you've ever seen. It's like a an post-apocalyptic endless, freeway. It's an endless scroll of not selected, not selected, not selected. And every day I get an email. I'm like, oh, I applied to... Oh, Wait, but how, I so don't remember applying, but they don't want me. A manager. Um, She saw my film online and her... Which film? 
Netflix and Chill. Did you guys oh, yeah, see yeah. that? Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one. I had it, I made that film and um, it got shared by a comedian friend and uh, her husband now husband saw it, who's a successful comedy writer and she very much trusts his opinion and mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, Perry, this is really funny. You should look at it." And she was quitting UTA as an agent, about to become a manager, and like I was just like the first person she cool. took on um, uh, that is perfect though that is the exact sort of manager you're looking for right <clears throat> someone who's hungry someone who's connected and someone yeah. who's building a roster that's awesome totally okay so you did a show for super deluxe you did a show for comedy central and you also mentioned you did a show for jesh right so what are you how are you getting all these shows you're so you're getting the meetings through your manager and what are you saying when you go to these meetings are you pitching your own ideas yeah, uh, the Super Deluxe one, I was there initially for a general to do, you know, TV and film stuff. And I saw that they were, they, you know, I knew they had money and I was like, okay, I want to get some of that. So <laughs> I was like, what is something Super deluxe that I could pitch them? And I just off the top of the hat, my head, I had made this short film called R.I.P. Love that was really bad and super low budget. And so I just kind of came up with, oh, what if we expanded that? What if it was every episode mm-hmm. I, you know, I die in a yes, different R-I-P way? This, R.I.P. that, yeah, yeah. From yeah. Uh, like, you know, embarrassment or mm-hmm. whatever. And then the Comedy Central thing, you know, I, I, I had had the idea. Initially, you know, it was something that I felt, you know, I, I was really crazy in my relationship. But I didn't want to have it with a female protagonist because I felt that that might be kind of sexist. Like, oh, like crazy girl. She's mm-hmm. she's too clingy. <laughs> and right, I was like, right. that's not super fun. So then I kind of thought about what it would be like with a guy. And then we pitched it like two other places. And I was kind of shocked Comedy Central wanted it. So what was your pitch? It's just a show about a clingy guy? Uh, you know, I had all the episodes worked out and like, this is what happens in this episode. This is what happens in that episode. Here's the log line. You know, I'm always coming up with, you know, new stuff. I'm, I'm essentially just like in a constant state of waiting to pitch things. You know, I always have like plenty of things. That's just the hardest part is getting in the room to pitch the thing and mm-hmm. then them saying, you know, yes. It's so funny because I feel like the longer you work in this business, like those two things, like totally swap switch positions like it's gets way easier to get into the rooms but like you get way less excited like you you, you have less than a hundred ideas you get a little more precious too because you're like you're like yeah i've seen that before i've done that before this isn't sure like am i really gonna like how much am i gonna make on this thing you know what I mean? There's a little bit of that. Yeah, like, right. what's their budget? I but you're giving me a knowing look. You're already there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, I've done... So now I've three times... I've worked in the $15,000 range and... Per episode. Yeah. For like, like a five or to a ten short minute film thing. Or, yeah, whatever. And like, you know, I don't make any money. Yeah. And I work really hard and for a long time, too. <laughs> and when it's... um when I'm hired as the director for that and they're a company and the company pays me a very little sum, I just got paid $500 to direct something. And it was like months of work. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, you're like this is a joke. Really? Was it something this you is... wrote? No. Um, oh, really? So you've, you've directed <laughs> other people's things too? Just recently. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. So Matt and I both saw your stuff. Matt kind of t- showed me your stuff. And I think both of us had the same reaction, which is like, damn, this is... It's really so good. We're so jealous. And so that good. <laughs> you have such a well-defined voice, yeah. and I want to get a little bit into your visual style too, because I think that 
Yeah, there's a lot of like looking directly into the lens, which is interesting, or like right off axis. No over the shoulder shots, like no handheld. I can can be honest about the uh, so the way the visual start style started was I am a Jewish person who does not look good being shot from any angle except for the front. So that's (laughs) that's how the style evolved. So you're like, well, we'll shoot everyone. I was like, how do we make me look, oh, you know, from the front, I'm not so bad. (laughs) But what about over the shoulder shots? Those are even more concealing. I think I did, you know, I I did those, I think, you know, in early work, they they existed. And then I think at a certain point, I was like, everybody does does those. That's maybe not so interesting. What can I do that's um, more interesting? And then also, I think I always liked putting myself in this position where, like, people were ganging up on me. And that's just more fun if you're doing these POV shots and they're mm-hmm. literally looking at you, like, all yeah. angry. And you're like, because that's how it feels, you right. know? So that's how I, you know, ended up there. And then as far as, like, not wanting to do handheld, again, it was, like, comedy, handheld been there done that not so interesting Mm -hmm. you know um comedy can look really really shitty and i'm like i want to make pretty movies that happen to be funny right because your stuff is really well art directed you know like the the background the every frame has a lot of depth the composition is nice thanks and i will give um credit in terms of art direction initially to my my dp tanner tanner hall um really great he uh he shot the first thing he shot for me was Netflix and chill. And um, the crew was literally just him. That was yeah, it. Awesome. And he... Awesome. He didn't sound too. There was one guy. There was mm-hmm. one guy holding a mic. But he lit the whole thing. He worked the camera. He would move around all the furniture and paintings mm-hmm. and plants to make sure and the frame was full. Did and you he, know him? He had uh, been dating my sister a couple months. And he was the first cinematographer that I really met. Who was cool. like an actual cinematographer. Awesome. And I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this. <laughs> and I did. Wait, they still Don't break up with him. No. Uh, but you still work with him? Yeah. 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 Well, there I, you go. Yeah. It was, it's, it's been hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's great. And he's like, he's a workhorse. Like yeah. he, he can do the job of 12 men. I did that music video with my sister actually. And he shot that and he managed to get a, Alexa mini anamorphic package left over on like a weekend. Yeah. And we just went to the desert and we shot it and he was the only one and he's out there just like setting things sure, up yeah. and like yeah. moving around and Go like for it, Tanner. Yeah, <laughs> and it's insane and you watch it and you're like this is beautiful. Yeah. Like how did he do this? But he's yeah, he's wonderful. You know, so I learned I learned a lot from him about real filmmaking because prior to that I had been very mumblecore run and gun Mm -hmm. you know whatever and then um, yeah your stuff does not feel mumblecore at all to me well that's kind of how I started but then I realized that you know mumblecore's dead and nobody (laughs) wants that because basically when you know the Alexa Mini took off. People were like, "Oh, we have nice cameras that we can." You yeah, know, well, like we're not hiding to. things. Anymore. Yeah, um, things can look nice, and that's a good thing. And then, um, yeah, so that's when my stuff really started looking okay. And then um, that, so that short looks okay. I mean, it's shot on a, a Black Magic Mini, or uh, yeah, the, the little Ursa tiny one. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, pocket, the for, pocket. Yeah, it's yeah. shot on the pocket. Yeah, I've it's never shot with that camera. Netflix until you're. Yeah, and then the one after that. Uh, that's my. That's when I met my boyfriend, who had wanted to help me make something that 
was actually well produced and that's when i had more of a, a crew that was more than two people mm-hmm. was um the netflix or uh, the last virgin in la it was we had like a six person crew and that was a big step up and let me ask uh because i i feel like i recognize and love most of your cast it's like i'm like oh like i love whitmer thomas is in a thing of oh, yours. Yeah, he's so jake funny. wiseman is so funny yeah um brody Brody Reed, is, yeah, like there's a bunch of people out there, right? So, mm-hmm. um, Alan how... McCloud is a doll. Wait, who? Sorry, Alan. McLeod. Oh yeah, that's right. Alan McCloud is. He's wonderful. So funny. So nice and Luke so Taylor funny. Pucci. Anyway, yeah, I could Lou's literally amazing. I could keep going, right? How do you? Is it that you have personal relationships with relationships with these people? How are you going about casting? How are you getting these people? Because um, I think that's the other thing that's part of this style. Most of right? the time, yeah. your casting is really good. Yeah. Thank you. Most I think that's my biggest skill as a director. And oh, I all 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 I want is to become so successful that I get a call and it's like, you know, whoever director and like, who do I put in this role? I'm like, ah, oh, let me handle it, I'll have it worked out in ten minutes, I'll give you a call back. Like Last Virgin in LA is like so well cast, I feel like. Oh, thank it's, you. I mean they're all they're all good. Yeah, yeah the, that's the re- guy especially is super funny. The boyfriend, Josh. the boyfriend. Well he's Josh. like a he's movie so star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Well there you go. So so the, how did you get him? It was really weird. Uh, I um, was in this little web series called The Skinny mm-hmm. years ago. And he, when he was just starting out, had like a, you know, like a four-line role in it, whatever. And I, when I watched the whole series, I was like, that guy's fucking good. Who is he? And I was like, oh, I need a boyfriend. And I saw he was in some little indie movie. And I didn't know how big his role was in it. And it wasn't out yet. And it was called Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And so I just tried to get in touch with him. And I went on IMDb Pro, and I found his contact. Is that who he is? He's the middle? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the main guy in the middle section. Yeah. Um, and now he's been, like, he starred in a couple other movies, too. Sure. So yeah. I um, called this number, and um, I was like, hi, is, is, is Ashton there? And they were like, this is his grandpa. He's not here right now. <laughs> and I spent, like, weeks trying to get in touch touch with him and his email didn't work and his phone was off and his internet ran out and, and it was this is just all like, this is all imdb pro or how are you getting yeah this? just 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 Google off stocking. of there yeah, yeah. and wait he has his grandfather's phone number on imdb pro it was like it was like his his phone had died so i had to call another phone that was like his grandpa okay. it was like really weird and like he had initially said yes when I sent it to him, and then like I didn't hear from him, and I couldn't get in touch with him. And it was like the dates were approaching, and I was like, "Hey man, what's going on?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm still in. Sorry, like my computer broke, my internet died, and my I lost my phone." And I was like, "Oh cool, great. I'm not worried about you not showing up." <laughs> um, but he did. But he did show up, and he was super nice. He was the best actor i had ever worked with up up till that point um he's still you know in top two with lou taylor pucci you know there's there's another echelon of acting where you're like holy fuck like and they're both in that echelon and i mean they're both movie stars so it makes sense sure um they can carry a film and there's a reason why they can carry a film i mean they're both wild cards as human beings Mm -hmm. but that's like part of the charm you know you're like did you read the script and like yeah i read it a couple months ago and then you're like they just jump in and they know all the lines and you're like but how do you how does that work (laughs) um 
But yeah, he it just he ended up showing up, and then like two months later, Moonlight came out, and he was a huge star, and it was really weird. <laughs> great. Uh, and, and then and actually, just to stop you real quick, is, is your your dialogue feels very naturalistic, especially when you're talking. Um, is it all pretty much like scripted to the T? Yeah, I'd say ninety percent scripted. You know, like I'm always like, if you want to add or subtract to a line, mm-hmm. feel free. But when I first started with the more kind of mumblecore style, I would do all improvised. And I quickly realized that it just goes off in its own direction. It becomes impossible to yeah, cut. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty much scripted. Yeah. I want to go back to the casting thing. Are the other stories similar to that? Where it's just like, you just figure out a way? Or is it... Um, Lou... Lou is a friend of a friend, I think. Yeah, so it's just kind of like personal and connections, basically. And Jeanette's a friend. Yeah. And then Sky, Skylar was the other blonde girl in Last right. Virgin. That one, we just really went through her agent, and I can't believe she said yes. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, like you didn't do a casting session. You just saw her no, somewhere? No, I've, I've, uh, I've never had anybody audition. And if that's how I get such good people. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe in that. Um, it's never been a problem for me. I've never run into like, oh shit, this person's terrible. There's been people who I'm like, okay, he's not as good as I wanted him to be. All right, okay, we're going to get through this. And then, you know, we cut around it. I've worked with people who don't act, have never acted, will never act again, and are really ashamed of the film. Um, and... We made it work. That was a real curveball. <laughs> you were setting up like, and they were terrible. <laughs> and they were fun. You know, like, yeah. I mean, like, we we were able to cobble something yeah, yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just experience, right? Like, you just figure out, like, what you need, right? It's kind of like the version of the tabletop story you were selling, telling earlier. Just like, okay, just get your moments, and then you know you can make it work in the end. Yeah. Um, well, so what's uh, what's next? Yeah. You know, I, I think this is probably something you guys can relate to on some level or maybe could at some point. But I've made a lot of things for no money. I can't really do that mm-hmm. anymore. Um, the favors. Sure. We've gone through those, you know. <laughs> Especially also you're in a really funny place where like you're doing stuff for major companies. Like it's easy to be like, Hey, like this is a passion project. Let's all get together and do this thing. But you can't be like, and also it's for Comedy Central. Right. Well, that's the thing is like the people I use, you know, I just did something for Jash and I hired a DP who ended up paying out of pocket to get the right. shots we want. I'm right. Like, that makes me feel so fucking shitty. Yeah. For the Jash thing? Yeah. Like, I don't want you to pay out of pocket. Oh, God, and as he was telling me that, we pulled up to his car, and he had just gotten a ticket. Oh, that's brutal. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, Uh, it's fine. Is Um, there, like, any other kind of genres or anything that you want to explore? I guess all the stuff I've seen of yours is very, like, relationship Based. Yeah, well, right now I'm I'm uh, me and my boyfriend are writing a movie. I so I I I have this. Um, it started with the fact that I had this recurring nightmare that I'm uh, I'm back in school and I can't leave. And I um, have a similar nightmare. It's fairly common. Where I I I haven't um, I haven't done a certain requirement for school. Yep, same thing. Yeah. And I know that my life is gonna happen as soon as I like 
take this stupid thing, but I don't get to go because I moved to LA after high school. And I'm like, I know there's something out there that I want. It's the worst. Anyway. Well, mine's similar because yeah. I never finished high school. So my oh. mine are I'm Way back. To bury the lead. <laughs> I'm back in high school and I they found out that I never finished. And I'm like, but I'm twenty two. I have a whole life and a whole career. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, no. You have to start from where you left off. And I'm like, I'm only a sophomore. And then it's just like classic, like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just screaming <laughs> into the You're abyss. Like, no. But so I wanted to make a film that was um, like a horror movie about somebody trapped in a high school. And so I, I, I wrote this film. I wrote a few drafts and um, it was terrible. It was really. Is it good now? Really bad. So I, um, I my boyfriend read it. and He's like, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's funny. And I was like, yeah, it was supposed to have a little humor. Sure. And he's like, no, it's it's funny. And I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> My leap like, to genre didn't go as well as I might have hoped. And it's not scary. It just like didn't work. It just didn't work. And um, I see that now. But then I was like, okay, well, help me. Because like I, I'm, I'm very confident in writing shorts, web series, pilots, TV, that kind of stuff. When it comes to features, I've written probably 20 really, truly bad ones. Like not even to the point where I would ever show anybody any mm-hmm. of them. Um, That's a lot of features. Yeah. They don't exist. I don't even have them on my computer. They're just like gone. Like it just, it's, no one needs to see that ever. But... With this, I was like, I like, I like putting this woman in a high school. And then, weirdly, as we kept talking about it, it became something completely different. It became um, about this codependent relationship between a mother and a son, who were these characters that already existed, and um, essentially about this mother who has a history of a kind of sexual abuse, and she's really, really close with her son. And he's a great kid, and blah blah blah. And one day, she gets a call that her son has sexually assaulted somebody at school. And she defends him. Um, yeah. So that's... So not funny. Not funny. Not <laughs> funny. It's a hoot. <laughs> um, yeah, not really funny. But also, like, my my mom and my brother are weirdly close and tell each other a lot of things. On Mother's Day, like, we're, like, it's, like, me and my sister and my brother and my mom were in the car. And, like, like my brother will... I'll be like, were you... What happened with that girl you were seeing? He's like, oh, I don't, I don't like her. And I was like, you seem to not like a lot of the girls. I'm like, why are you always breaking it off with people? You just gotta like power yeah. through. <laughs> so you're, sure, so yeah. you find someone. Um, and then he was like, I didn't like her vagina. <laughs> and I was just like, what? What was wrong with it? And he was like, I just didn't like it. Blah blah. And then I started getting scared about my vagina. Besides, sure, the you're like, well, <laughs> I'm like, what could be wrong with a vagina? Yeah. Uh oh. So, um, I actually do have something wrong with my vagina, but that's a whole other story. And I am writing something about that. Oh, good. Um, good. That is um, teeth. Teeth too, starring my vagina. Uh, but anyways, my 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 brother are really close, and he tells her like any kind of like sexual thing that happens gotcha. to him, or like any like he'll tell her that so he doesn't she like a girl's knew. vagina. Yeah, yeah. And my mom's like laughing, and that's like yeah. a normal conversation. 
because yeah. my family has no boundaries. Uh, I'm trying to learn to have them, but I just told you guys that my vagina doesn't work. Sure. It works now. Sure, sure. It works now. Congratulations. Thank you. I like to talk about... Um, so one project that I'm working on that I'm going to try and pitch to Comedy Central is about um, vaginismus. Do you guys know about vaginismus? No. Is that a holiday? It is. It's right after Christmas. Uh, In between Christmas and New Year's, basically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. It's a fun day where your vagina closes up for no reason. Uh, no. Vaginismus is... Uh, so, so when you have sex... <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to... Sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so when you have sex, you're told like, um, so, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a little painful and, uh, it's going to go in there and, uh, yeah. and then Everyone that's going to that. happen. Sure. And you're like, okay, cool. I think I get it. I get the gist. And then you're me and it doesn't go in there. It doesn't, it, it's like, um. And like everyone's trying to figure it out. Like what's There's a whole on. team there. Sure, <laughs> trying sure. to put it in well, sure, yeah. a stadium yeah uh no it just like it didn't it didn't go in and um it was just closed down there like just like tapered off yeah, so yeah, i'm familiar with it you are yeah i yeah. mean not not that um but so then i went to the doctor people. and i was like i made an appointment for them to look at it and they wrote my appointment down wrong and then they were like um do you want an std test and i was like no i i don't and they were like no you should really get one and i was like i don't need one and they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't need one because I need you to look at my vagina because nothing can go in there. And because nothing can go in there, I definitely yeah, don't have an STD, I'm good. bitch. Yeah, yeah. So would you look at my vagina? Uh, they didn't. Yeah. And then at the end of it, she said, um, I don't know what to tell you. This Some is pe- the doctor? Or this, this is the doctor. She goes, I don't know what to tell you. Some people come in here every day and, uh, you know, sometimes they don't even have a vagina. They get their period once a month and it turns out their vagina is actually their anus. That happens. So it could be that, but I don't know. Wasn't that. But You're like, um, thanks, Doc. I cried for a few days yeah. after that. Uh, vaginas and anus, that can happen. There's a lot of things they don't tell you. It wasn't that. Uh, and eventually I had sex, and I'm fine now. Everything's working properly. There you go. Uh, it, just, it just had to be slowly stretched out but that's a that's the only project right now that i'm working on that is for me to act in and Mm -hmm. whatnot um well i feel like there's a lot of humor there right yeah i think like you can are you gonna like you're gonna take it to comedy central right yeah that's what we're trying to do right now i mean i think it's i think it's very funny but i feel like i made you a little bit uncomfortable and you very uncomfortable well i would say it's weird to be on a podcast and not know what to say. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a great story. And I think like, yeah, I think it's mostly just like, you don't want to like be offensive on accident. Have Do you know what I mean? not to tell people because then people are like, what's wrong with your vagina? I'm like, nothing's wrong with my vagina. It was a temporary thing that was wrong with my vagina. Yeah. And it was been fine now. Yeah, I guess you're welcome to. I mean, I guess the subject matter of our podcast tends to be a little more about like filmmaking. How you so, choose your sure, sure. No, hold hold on. I'm going to bring it back around that because I think this is because you know you were talking about a show that you're going to pitch, right? But right? also, what inspires you, which is this, right? Both of which I think part of what is interesting just talking to you is that like you're so quick and so open. That's great in the room. Like, of course, you're selling things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's such a premium on, like, personal experiences and point yeah, of view. Yeah, people like that. 
They love that stuff. Yeah. So you can go in and like tell a funny story about your vagina that's interesting yeah. and unique. <laughs> Matt, that's a show. Matt told a vagina story in a pitch and it backfired. Oh, it no. did. It did. That's yeah. What kind of vagina? Just like a one standard. you didn't like. Yeah. Did you say you didn't like it? Because that's bad. I would never say that. <laughs> yeah, if you, I just told my mom about to it. all the <laughs> to all the men out there. If you don't like a vagina, decide to like it, marry it, and never think sure. about it again. There you go. Never don't like a vagina. For the record, I was not shit talking any vagina. <laughs> By the way, that's the only bad thing you could ever say about I guess a vagina. I, I want to go back a little bit broader real quick because I feel like listeners at home are going to hear your story and they're going to be like, okay, like she knew what she wanted to do, like basically immediately yeah. started making things and it's like on the path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Selling right? stuff nonstop. Yeah, you're just like... <laughs> Um. Sure, I, I know I know you don't feel that way, but I guarantee there's like somebody in Wisconsin who's like, I would kill to lose money on a Comedy Central show. Do you know what I mean? So what um, what would you say is what's the secret to your success? How what do you feel like? I know that's a, such I, a I think hard maybe a different version of yeah. that is like, what were you doing that wasn't working that you changed that now works? Like now you're kind of selling things and people are interested in what you have to say. Well, I think it's just it's just making things, you know. Yeah. Um, if if I attain any amount of success, it'll just be because I have made a lot of things. Um, and for a very long time, you know. So there, as before we started the podcast, I said, you know, there's a lot of things that you know are not on my website. You know, that mm-hmm. I made between the ages of fifteen and you know. 18, 16. whatever. Uh, 15, 16. But, you know, that's like five short films and a feature I made when I was 16. And that was all, that was a lot of stuff. That's a lot of content. How did you make a feature at 16? Um, I had made three short films and I decided that I wanted to not make another short film because I thought I had, you know, already been there, done that. Yeah. And I, what I realized is that I wasn't making them the right way at all. But um, at that point, the way I was working was improvised camp, you know, mm-hmm. little Canon 5D, a mic sure. propped up against the sofa sort of a thing. And uh, the feature, you know, was like two-person crew. I had my friend in it. And, you know, it's mumble Corey. It's not yeah. very good. It's exists. It's, still, it's on YouTube. It's incredible that you did that. of it. Um, I don't recommend anybody watch it, but, um, yeah. So then that, that for me was one of the biggest learning experiences in just the fact of, I can't do anything for no money again. Mm -hmm. And then after about eight months or so, I I mean, I was crushed because the feature got rejected from every single film festival. And it, it was like, you know, a lot of work, even being, me sure. 16 and it being yeah. shitty or whatever it was a lot of fucking work and um eventually i was just like well i guess i gotta continue making shit because mm-hmm. no one's knocking down my door for any reason so then i made another short and you know i always you just kept going yeah yeah and i always tried to you know reach out to people online like uh you know that were more successful for me f- than me for advice for mentorship mm-hmm. um what's the best piece of advice you got i guess just find your voice and keep making things you know that's really 
that's really the way to do it. But the problem with, I will say, there there's one downside in finding your voice. So I do think I have a very specific voice. And the things that I make, I keep trying to ring the same bell, right? Because I want people to go, oh, yeah, that's Zane. This is the thing. This mm-hmm. is what she does. I like it. I, I get it. But then, uh, very recently, I, I went out to pitch my first television show. And it was um, an idea that my boyfriend had had initially. And it was you know, not in the Zane Rubin voice, but, you know, something I really liked a lot and, and I worked very hard on and felt like I could make into a really wonderful show. And it didn't sell because the reality is when people look at me, they see a certain thing and now I'm trying sure. to go against that. And it makes it much harder to sell that thing if they haven't seen me do it and I'm not, you know, like mm-hmm. insert famous person's name here. Right, especially because it's your face and all of those yeah pieces. totally and it's right. think so something see, yeah i'm what, not gonna what's act the, in what was the genre act. of the show you were pitching it was it was like a com crime comedy it basically was it was called bureau of bad news and it was about uh this man and woman who team up to deliver bad news wrapped in silver linings so essentially they investigate this person to find things out about them so when they deliver the news that your dog died they can soften the blow with um you've got a great personality whatever. though yeah uh something, something that they've been investigated yeah. about them yeah. yeah the average age of dogs is only eight years yeah whatever so um yeah so it was still like funny and weird and and you know that mm-hmm. kind of a thing but it was just a little bit uh different and we teamed up with a really great production company but it was also a stretch for the production company as well because they hadn't done anything quite like that either um and so now with the you know i i don't really like the idea of a show of being like it's me and i'm just doing my thing but that's kind of what i put that whole my vagina not working into mm-hmm. because i'm like at least that's a little bit interesting at least that's a little bit weird and that's a show maybe i could actually sell because it's like oh it's me and my weird voice and i'm in it and the other shows that i you know have come up with are you know i have something about 13 year olds and Mm -hmm. you know that's not for me to be in but that at least there's the angle of um an executive can be like oh you're young you know young people totally so that's that's the angle we're going with on that um is like well i'm really young and we want to make a realistic show about growing up in 2019 right um and does your manager help you like package these pitches like figure out the pitches and everything yes yeah awesome well zane uh this has been great yeah, shouldn't Any, people want to find out more about you? ZaneRubin.com is that Zane the best Rubin. way? com is the best way. Okay, so ZaneRubin.com, people should check out. Do you tweet or do any of that? I'm on so, the Twitter. Nobody follows me. I'd love to ha- get another couple followers. Zane S. Rubin. Zane S. Rubin. Zane's Rubin. Zane's Rubin. There we go. I'll follow you. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Zane, let's hop into unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. So I've got two things. One of them is... Technically not an unpaid endorsement, not a paid endorsement. One of them is technically not a paid endorsement because I'm definitely not getting paid for it. But one of our previous guests uh, has hooked me up with some new plugins that came out today to let me test them out from Red Giant. Uh, and it's this, uh, it's called the VFX Compositing Suite. And it is, it, it's like mind-blowing in a way that it, probably a lot of our listeners don't care about at all. But I'm sure almost everyone on our podcast, including Zane, has had to deal with like a green screen shot before. No, actually. You've never done a green screen shot? I've never done green screen. And you've never been like, well, we could just get that on green screen. 
But yeah. with this VFX bundle, I yeah. will green screen all the time. <laughs> well, the thing about green screen, it's just kind of become like a very normal tool in the same way that mm-hmm. like a zoom lens has, you know, for filmmakers. And to get like a B level or even a B plus level of green screen comp, like in your edit, it's super easy, right? Anyone in Premiere can hit like key light and hit the green and then it looks like a B plus level. But to get like an A plus level, like a Hollywood level green screen shot is like really 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 hard because you know there's like light from what's behind the person wrapping around them and there's haze and there's fog and there's all these things that the way light works like when you take a a thing that wasn't actually where you were saying it is it just doesn't look as real because you're getting it like 80 percent of the way there but that last 20 percent even when we worked on your music video which was supposed to look kind of bad like graphic it still looked better when we like brought in like elements from the background the shots that oren did look better than the shots that i did basically is how it breaks down yeah and so the so the this new (laughs) uh, plugin bundle it's called the vfx suite from red giant has this tool called uh super comp and it is like it it just makes everything work in after effects in a way that i've never ever seen before and they have they just have a bunch of like awesome insanely cool new tools like new glows and new everything if you're doing anything remotely in the realm of sci-fi or even action check out um red giant's uh, new vfx suite they also have this this one other thing which is a huge vfx problem which i know i know that i'm hitting just a tiny slice of our listeners but uh, a lot of times when you shoot a movie you're shooting in log color space right because you want to keep all the color and when you color correct that you want it to look really great but when you're adding elements like muzzle flashes or like explosions those are usually shot in like rec 709 like a different color space so those things never work together and this bundle has like all these cool tools to let you combine those two things and it's just been like one of the banes of my existence as a vfx artist forever that is all solved with this one thing so or and i think this is um i'm really excited about it it's not an unpaid endorsement i think you're losing us money like there's no reason for red giant to sponsor us well it's like adobe i'm for the first (laughs) two years we did this podcast i'm like guys just get the Adobe Creative Cloud package. I'm impressed with your um, with everything you just said, which pretty much all went over my head. Nerdy shit, nerdy <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, so the second thing, this is a podcast that came out like two years ago, but I've been researching these true crime podcasts. And have you guys heard of Up and Vanished? Mm-mm. It's no. uh, it's I think they're on their third season now, but it's this podcast where this guy literally just knew that like true crime podcasts did well so he's like i'll just try and true make my own true crime podcast <laughs> he had no idea what to make it about so he just like went to google and typed in cold case <laughs> and he like in i think he was in atlanta or something so or in michigan wherever he lived he put like cold cases in his state and he found like a few right like there was a website top 10 cold like it was the police website cold cases in michigan or wherever and he found this website called web sleuth and where people like private citizens are like investigating cold cases and he like just asked if anyone knew about this a few different cases and he got a call from the main detective on one of the cases and got all the info and he's like uh i guess i'm making a podcast about this cold case anyway he was gonna make like four episodes 22 episodes later he solved the cold case wow up and vanished that's cool (laughs) Uh, a guy that has zero experience in investigating (laughs) i mean he googles just like you the three of us Wow. Um, anyway. Up and vanished. Yeah. It's, and uh, the, it's old and oldie but a goodie, and I'm only one episode in, but I'm already well, really loving it. Awesome. Uh, Zane. 
Um, I have two shows that I like. One is recent and one is not. Is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, great. So the recent one, this isn't really everybody knows about Game it. Of Thrones. <laughs> no, uh, but ev- a lot everybody knows about it. But I, I really think it's great. I don't really like um, most TV, even Sleep though we're season in the two. golden age of TV. Uh, but Dead to Me. Oh yeah. Oh. Dead to me. I yeah. thought was really, really wonderful. I thought it had all of the all the things one might want in a television show. Um, super smart, super funny. It has a visual style. Um, it, there's a thriller aspect to it. It's just like really good writing. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of the times when you watch shows that are supposed to be great, you're like, this is really lazy writing. Like, mm-hmm. how did this like? Get like, past uh, all those places, but yeah, I think that show's really great, um, and it's one of the only things recently I've been like, I really like this. Oh, as well as Escape from Dan- Escape at Danamora is yeah. really wonderful as well. That was not my second one. I'm gonna, but just sneak the, it in there. Sneak it in there. Escape well, at Danamora is great. Who has Showtime? How do you guys all have Showtime? Uh, my can... sister's ex friend's parents login. <laughs> I will give it to you when this is over. Yeah, I think um, you can also. I will not sign take up. that. Thanks. It's <laughs> worth it to sign up for like the free trial and, and just like get, and you, I think you can get through it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. it's there's only like six. Yeah, it's, it's really can I tell you about Dead to Me real quick? The creator Liz Feldman. Yeah, who I think we used to write in SNL. She had a general meeting where she was told that she was going to like be presented a few different show ideas that the network had and. They were going to get her take on it, but she was like the last person after like they saw 10 other people and they were like, you know, we're sick of our ideas. Do you have anything? And she like had had like a miscarriage like two weeks before and like her cousin unexpectedly died like three weeks before. And she's like, well, what about like a grief dealing with grief and people like a comedy about grief? And then she basically like just That's invented how it all in the, the room. the best things happen, it yeah. seems. They're all the things that sell, at least. You've been working on it for 30 years. Say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really good, though. Dead but uh, Oh, and the other thing is a show that was on, it started in 2011, called Enlightened. It was on HBO. It had oh, yeah. two seasons. Yeah. It's a Mike White show, right? It's a Mike White show. Mike yeah, White is my Tony favorite Collette. writer. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it's... Um, uh, why am I blinking? Laura Dern. Laura Dern, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Laura Dern, Mike White's also in it. Um, Molly Shannon's in it a bit. It is my favorite thing of Ooh. anything that's ever existed. Um, and everybody I've showed it to is like, fuck, that's amazing. And everybody I know that's seen it is like, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Um, I need to watch that show. It's yeah. magnificent. Yeah, it. And it's only, the first season is like, 10 episodes and the yeah, second yeah. season is eight and they're 30 minutes long it's like not even yeah. that much and mike white quick. wrote every single episode by himself yeah i mean that's that's some next level um so yeah those are those are my couple love it zane um well i've got uh two things um have you guys seen the documentary city of gold i have seen it it's the jonathan gold documentary yeah oh, i saw it when city he was alive yeah yeah well, uh, we're coming up on uh, the year anniversary, and it's um, great. It's on Hulu right now. That's it's nice. It's just about... Um, Is it about um, L.A.? Food? It's about the L.A. food scene? Yeah, L.A. food scene, and basically Jonathan Gold's impact on yeah. Lo- Los Angeles and food criticism right. and It's and pretty culture. nuts. Like, like he, he made changed like changed lives. Tacos cool, right? 
Yeah. Not only did he make tacos cool, but he was part of like a second wave of like food criticism where you didn't just review hoity-toity restaurants. Right. It's not just Spago. Taco yeah. trucks and right. stands and whatnot, yeah, and then he because discovered he reviewed them, Koji, was yeah. he? Yeah, and Kogi, Koji, Kogi. Yeah, I've been watching the John Favreau, yeah, show with um, the Kogi guy. What's his name? Uh, Roy Choi. Roy Choi. Roy Choi. Yeah. yeah. They have, a fun, they have a fun little dynamic. The what? chef show or something. Yeah. It's something really generic. It's pretty generic, yeah. It's really generic. The best part about that show is the little animation they have the in between. It's like wonderful. They do. I don't know if you've watched. I've only watched one episode, but they have the woman from Jitlada. Her name is Jazz, and she's like cooking. Oh, I haven't and, seen this and one At one yet. point, she just like chops up a jalapeno, and Favreau is like, you're not going to take the seeds out or anything and she's like nah and just throws like an entire unseeded jalapeno into a blender which is like oh that's why that shit is so hot yeah i decided to make beans recently and i used a jalapeno and a couple serranos and i got a chemical burn from it yeah and um holy shit that's painful has that ever happened to you my wife uh just like wiped her eye like the first time we really cooked the jalapeno and it was like just a tiny tiny bit you know i think she maybe even washed her hands no you can't if you wash your hands it doesn't get it off you have to put rubbing alcohol and you have to like scrub it off yeah it's no joke but so delicious um and my last one my last endorsement is uh workflowy which is a website that basically is just like nested bullet points yeah you ever use it Mm -hmm. yeah lists and it's awesome for outlining I, I hadn't really Work had like flowy. a workflowy. Huh. Okay. It's like great for outlining because you can like basically, you know, net, you, you build out your architecture of like, okay, like, you know, all, here's my, all my act breaks and then here are all my little scenes nested within each act and you can kind of move the scenes around and like throw any dialogue bits or anything. It's like a, just a nice clean, um, you can like collapse, and oh, collapse I have, things. I have yeah. one more really good one. Yeah. Um, script notes. Craig Mazin did an episode recently where he basically just tells you how to write a script. How to write a script. I've heard mm-hmm. about this. I haven't listened to it yet. It's nuts. Like, if you follow it, like, you'll have a script. You're good to go. Yeah. Wow, there you go. I didn't feel like it was nuts, but it's very good. Super good. It's very Craig Mazin-y. Here's, here's the thing. Up until Chernobyl... Oh, I mean, everything he's done has been terrible. I'm not bad, saying right? that that's not true. Um, I, not I terrible. Watched, I... Yeah. I I like his stuff. I like him a lot. You know, I think yeah. I, appreciation I think. For him. I mean, everything he said, it wasn't. It was. I was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've never really heard it. Like, you know, so many things you know about writing, you just know innately. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's good to be like, oh, and then we're supposed to have that thing. That part's supposed to happen now. Okay, right. Just that's like an, have it in the back of your mind. Intellectualized a little bit. For yeah. me, the biggest takeaway is kind of his anti-intellectualizing of it, which is he's like. You look at screenplay structure and three acts and act breaks and all this stuff, and he's like, that's not how you write a screen. Like, that's how you analyze a screenplay, maybe. That's a result of good writing, but it doesn't lead to good writing. Mm. Well, yeah, that's why I liked this perspective more. And I think the the part that stuck with me is the idea that you have a character who has a life. It's He keeps using, they have, they have stasis, right? And then mm-hmm. something happens, and then they just want to go back to the stasis. And then at a certain point you decide, oh, no, I don't want to go back to that. I want this new thing. Mm-hmm. And that's all a movie is. There you go. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the gist of what he says. That's yeah. pretty good. 
right? And a scene, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting thank, with yeah. us. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Um, if you want to learn about all of the stuff that we talked about, it's all in the show notes. We'll have a handful of Zane's movies, all of the links to her stuff, etc., etc. You can follow us uh, across all social media at Just Shoot a Pot and me at Mr. Madden Love. And me at O'Kaplan on Instagram. And if you have any comments or anything, please email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. Um, or call our voicemail number, 1262-SHOOT-1. We love to hear from people. And this episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. It was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams, who's actually been doing a lot of fixing of our website. It. Our website is uh, in pretty good shape right now. Check it out, justshootitpod.com. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. AdWanted UK is the provider of single source media data for agencies, media owners, brands, and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader from Adwanted UK.